In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Many happy returns for the Feast of the Theophany. And in this feast, we celebrate the baptism of Christ, where He reveals to us not only His own nature, He reveals to us that He is God uh, and among the Trinity, but He also reveals to us what it is that we have to do in order to have salvation. That baptism is the doorway, is the opening, and is the first step to becoming a believer in Christ and to walking the path of, of uh, salvation in Christ. One, one thing about his theophany or his manifestation is that it was very public and it was very open. It wasn't anything that was done in secret. It wasn't something that someone saw a vision in secret and they came out and said, oh, this is Christ. Actually, there was many people around and St. John the Baptist himself was bearing witness as to what he saw. In John 1.32, it says, And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. So he's describing the scene. Again, this is a scene that everyone saw. Also, if we read the account in um, the Gospel of St. Matthew, it says, And suddenly a voice came from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. That God the Father is proclaiming that this is the Son of God, that he is pleased with him. So all of the people saw the Spirit of God as a dove, all the people heard the voice, all the people saw St. John the Baptist testifying about him as the forerunner, and yet we would imagine that in a situation like this, in a, in a major event like this, that everyone would leave that place a believer. Everyone would leave that place saying, well look, this is what I saw, and this is how it went down, and everything that I saw, and this is for this reason I believe this has to be the Son of God. Actually, maybe in today's world, um, we can say that, well, maybe people won't believe because they think that it's staged. You know, now we have sound effects and special effects and all kinds of stuff in computers. Anytime you see anything, any kind of video, people say, well, it's fake. Okay? Anything that happens is fake. Okay? In that time, you couldn't fake anything. There was no way to fake a voice. There was no way to, to have speakers hidden somewhere that would pretend to be the voice of God speaking. Today, if we said this, that's the first thing people would say. They would say, oh, well, this is, you know, it's all staged, it's all fake. So what about then? Why is, it that, why is it that the people then didn't believe? It actually reveals to us something about ourselves, about human nature, and about what their motives were. And it also shows us that the people that are saying, oh, well, you can't prove it, and oh, you, you know, trying to find any reason to pick it apart, just to, to find a reason why that God does not exist, or that Jesus Christ is not the Son of God, they use these as excuses in order not to explore it further in order not to um, you know under try to understand what is really the truth is it something that some is it true that something can be faked yes it's true that something can be faked but it's also possible that it's not faked but am I immediately going to that excuse because I don't want to accept the possibility that it really is true that God really is and that um, Jesus Christ is his son so Many people ask for this proof, but unfortunately there's no way that we can really offer proof to someone who will find some excuse to debunk it in whatever way that we offer him. So what are some reasons that people might not believe? What are some reasons why those people that were there at that time walked away and they, they, they didn't change their life, nothing changed at all? The Pharisees that were there, they remained Pharisees, they remained Jews, they remained trying to undermine Christ, they remained jealous of Him, they remained not believing in Him. Why is it that these people who saw all of these miracles, why is it that they did not believe? The first reason why they did not believe, and maybe sometimes why we also do not believe, is they lacked a spiritual eye. In Matthew twenty-three sixteen, 
Christ is rebuking the Pharisees and he says to them, Woe to you blind guides who say, Whoever swears by the temple, it is nothing. But whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obliged to perform it. These people, um, they were looking at things only at face value. They were not trying to see the spiritual meaning behind it. For instance, in their mind, the gold of the temple is something tangible, something physical, something that's valuable, something that I can understand its value and its importance. And so if you swear by the gold of the temple, then it has meaning. But to swear by the temple itself, or to swear by the Spirit of God, or to swear by anything spiritual, well, maybe we have a disconnection. What does this mean, the spiritual? What is the spiritual? We don't see the spiritual. And so in the minds of many people, it doesn't exist. Actually, when you look at the event that happened, when we speak about the baptism, if Christ does not send, if God did not send um, the dove, and if there was no voice that we that was heard, it would simply have been Jesus in the water, dunked by St. John the Baptist, and then everybody goes home. And there would be nothing dramatic about anything that would have happened that day. But God performed the miracle in order to demonstrate and to prove the efficacy and the power of what just happened that this is not just a bath. This is not just someone is going in the water and because we're making a show. This is not just we're making a symbol that, you know, we want to demonstrate that we have faith and so we're going to go in the water. No, it was, it was God did this to demonstrate that this sacrament had true power and he wants us also to do it. But these Pharisees, they didn't consider this. They just saw that this was not a big deal. What's the big deal of, of being in water? What's the big deal of this? And they excused everything. And they excused the voice that they heard and ex they excused the dove. They excused everything and they thought to themselves, well, this is, this, is not, this is not important. It's not something that I need to care about because my eyes are, are only looking on the world. My eyes are only looking on the physical things. Okay? The same is true with us today because we have obviously people that are baptized in the church. And when they come to be baptized, there is no voice and there's no light and there's nothing. And it's just come and we pray on the water and then the person comes and is baptized in the water and they leave. And they feel largely the same as they did in the morning when they came. So to believe that this sacrament has power it, it, it is we have, to, we have to have faith in, the, in what God has said about it. And that we would have this spiritual eye. That whenever we, when God works, we look at him with a spiritual eye. And that we believe with a spiritual eye. Because he said it is so, then it is so. Even if we have no direct evidence of it, apart from what he tells us. So it's important for us to have an open mind when it comes to things like this. Things that we should believe on in faith. Because if we question and doubt everything, and we judge it according to human standards, then we will find reasons to criticize everything and anything. Uh, of why is it that God has done certain things that we cannot comprehend or understand. So again, these Pharisees, they looked at things only on face value. They lacked a spiritual eye. And if I lack a spiritual eye, then even if I see miracles happening before me, like these Pharisees saw, there would be nothing to move me. I will find some excuse, whether it be through technology or through something else. You know, when, when, the, uh, when the apostles um, on the day of Pentecost, when the apostles began speaking in tongues, what did the people say about them? Oh, well, they're just drunk. They, they've been drinking too much and this is why they're speaking like this. Well, that doesn't really answer even the question. How is it that could a drunk man speak other languages? Okay, that doesn't make sense. So people just want to make excuses to avoid the question and they don't want to try to explore beyond the physical. So that's one reason why, why maybe the people didn't believe. Another reason why maybe they didn't believe is because they de devalued what was really important in life. Okay. 
The Pharisees did not value the significance of the moment. They didn't stop for a second and say, what if this is really God? If this is really God and everything that he's saying about himself is true, what is it that I should do? What does it mean for me? How is that my life going to change as a result of this? Because at least, even if I'm not completely convinced, at least I will consider it. At least I will think because of the magnitude of its importance. You know, we're not talking about something that's trivial and, and, and meaningless. This is something that's vital to our lives, to our eternal life. So I should at least consider what is it that's being said and how is it? But instead of considering the significance of the moment, instead of having an open mind and thinking, well, maybe what Christ is saying is really true, they came for all kinds of different reasons. One, they came to argue with St. John. They came to argue with him. It's like, who are you who's living out in the wilderness and doing these things and all these people are coming to you? They envied him because he had a following. They also came to dissuade people from following Christ. They were publicly rebuking him and rebuking Christ. They didn't want people to follow him. And they were contending with Christ. They were only focusing on the external aspects of the spiritual life. All they cared about was the external. They cared about who had authority. They cared about how many followers they had. They cared about how much money they had. They cared about their reputation. All these things that they cared about, but they didn't care about the essence of what is it that they really needed. And again, in Matthew 23, Christ rebukes them for this. He says to them, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe and mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. The things that are unimportant, you spend all your time focusing on. And the things that are important, even as they happen in front of your eyes, you don't heed, you don't pay attention, you don't consider them, you don't value them at all, and you just let them go by. And we do this often as well. For instance, we go for days and weeks and months and years, not reading the Bible, not praying, not doing anything related to God, appeasing ourselves, perhaps that we're busy or have some other reasons why we don't do it. And why do we do that? Because the thing that is the most important is something that is in the furthest back of my mind. It is not urgent by any means. It's not something that knocks on my door and tells me you have to pray. No, the things that knock on my door and tell me that I have to do something is my studying or my work or other problems and urgent things that I have in my life. But other important things that are not urgent, like prayer and spending time with family or other things that are important to, for us to do, that we simply, it's easy for us to neglect it um, because it is not in the forefront of our mind. And this is what the Pharisees were doing. They were devaluing what was important and they were focusing on the trivial. The third reason uh, why they did not believe is because they were very occupied with the world. They were very occupied with the world. Again, they were too interested in just preserving their authority. They were, they were, they were one-track minded. If you look at the Pharisees from the very beginning to the very end, their whole motivation for everything they did is they just wanted to remain in control. They just wanted to have authority and have power. And every time they saw that Christ was a threat to them, taking away their authority and taking away their power, okay, then they, they hated him. And they were jealous of him and they even plotted to kill him until they did kill him. All of that because of why? Because they didn't want him to take away what was theirs. If we think about how is it that we focus our time, we also focus a lot on worldly things. It's very easy to focus on worldly things because, again, they're urgent. They're in front of us right now, okay? Um, we spend most of our time planning for things in this world. How much time do we spend planning our education, planning our career, planning our families, planning so many things that we think about, even from when we're very young, planning, planning, planning. What is it that we want to do? But how much time do we spend planning 
for spiritual things. Okay, how much time and, and place do we, do we put for those? Okay, sometimes we think that these spiritual things they don't really get me to my goals. Okay, because again, my goals often are worldly. My goals have to do with I want to make a certain amount of money. I want to be in a certain career. You know, whenever you go to a job interview and they ask you, well, where do you want to be in five years? It's like I don't know where I want to be. I mean, the, what is I don't know. Okay, but what about what about God? Is He going to come to us and He's going to say, where do you want to be in five years? What are we going to tell Him? What plan do we have for spiritual growth? What plan do we have for spiritual growth in our lives? Just as we have plans for all other kinds of growth. <clears throat> the last reason I'm going to speak about um, of why people might not believe is because they come with preconceived ideas about God. Some people, no matter what you present to them about God, no matter what miracles they see or anything, the reason they don't believe is because they already have in their mind an image of who God is and they've already decided to reject Him simply because of the assumptions they've made about Him. For instance, again, if you read about what the people said about Christ in Mark 6, 3, they said, Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Are not his brothers, or sorry, are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. Why is it that they were offended at Christ? Simply because they knew where he was from, and they imagined that they understood him, that they knew him. Isn't this, we know this man, we grew up with him, we know him. And for this reason, they rejected him. How is it that he could be who he says he is? So they had a certain understanding and assumption. Actually, it didn't matter what it is that Christ did. You know, Christ could be walking on water. Christ could be like making like loaves and fish multiply. He could be raising people from the dead. And in the end, the people are going to come and say, well, well, this man is the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. Yeah, but that doesn't explain why he's able to do what he can do. That doesn't explain what he's saying. Open your mind to what he is saying, not simply what pre preconceived ideas that you have about him. We do the same with God, and it colors our whole relationship with God because we base our relationship with Him on things that maybe we've been told about Him or ways that we ourselves have grown up or been raised or been molded by different experiences that we have that are not rooted in the Word of God. They're not rooted in the truth of what God reveals about Himself. For instance, some people that believe that God is a God of rules only. That's all He is. And, and, and what God wants me to do is He wants me to obey a bunch of rules. And because I refuse to be controlled and just wanting to obey a bunch of rules, I reject God. Some people might reject God because of this. They don't understand what He's offering. They don't understand that the rules that He's setting are for salvation, are for us to live, not for us to have be burdened by them. Some people might believe that God is only a judge. He's not kind. He's not merciful. He's not compassionate. He's only a judge. And they look at Him this way. Some people might believe the opposite, that God is so merciful and gracious that He will never judge, and that He will never send people to hell, and that He will never condemn me. And so for that reason, I don't feel rebuked in anything that I do. Some people believe that God is inherently unreasonable, and that the things He's asking us to do don't make any sense. And so because they don't make any sense, I can't, I can't follow Him. Some people also believe things about themselves. They believe that perhaps I can never be a righteous person. God can never change me. God can never transform me. So I give up. I'm not going to try. I'm not going to try to work. I'm not going to try to improve. Because in the end, I know that I will fail and that I will never be righteous and God will never accept me. These are all preconceived ideas that are going to affect the way that we approach God. They're going to affect the amount of motivation we have, the amount of effort we put in order to obey God and follow Him. Some people believe God can never forgive them for what it is that they've done. 
that maybe God can, can, can forgive other people, but they can, He cannot forgive me because my sin is too great. And we can go on and on and on about different things that people believe about God that is not rooted in truth. And because they believe these things, when someone comes to them and starts preaching to them or telling them about something that God is doing, they already have made up their mind. They're not willing to listen anymore. These Pharisees had made up their mind about Christ before they even heard him, before they even knew him, simply because he was a threat to them, no matter what he says, no matter how good it might be, no matter how reasonable it might be, no matter how truthful it might be, in the end, I'm going to reject it. I'm going to make some reason why, excuse even to myself to reject it. Sometimes we make excuses to ourselves that I don't want to believe, but I find reasons to make myself comfortable without the decision. So we ask, why is it that they did not believe? And why is it that people do not believe? Christ in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, he said, even if someone were to rise from the dead, that the people would not believe. They have what the law and the prophets. This is what he said. He said, they have the law and the prophets. The truth is in the law of the prophets. If people do not read and believe because of the word of God, then they will not believe even if they see a miracle. And this is, gets us to the essence of what it means to have faith. There is no amount of evidence that God could give, even raising people from the dead, they will convince people of who He is. Because people countless times have seen miracles. Even now, when a few years ago, when St. Mary was appearing in Egypt, and you had all of these flashing lights and apparitions and things happening in the sky, and people very easily looked at this and they, they did nothing. Like there was, there, was no, there was no mass revival in the world because of, this, of these events that were happening. Right? People made whatever excuses that they had. Again, it was fake, it wasn't real, it could be anything else. Or even those who maybe believed it was real, but they were unmotivated to do anything about it. They just felt like, well, I can't do anything. Maybe there's nothing, maybe God has already rejected me. Even if God exists, that he would not accept me. So whatever the reason might be, we have to ask ourselves, what is it that keeps us from believing what is it that keeps us from moving forward and taking action? Because even these Pharisees, regardless of what they saw, they went home and they, they were unchanged. So we have to really look in ourselves and say, am I really open to what is it that God is saying? Am I really open to believe what He says, even when it doesn't make sense to me? Am I really approaching Him with a fresh mind, or do I have preconceived ideas in my mind about who He is? So whether it be because we lack a spiritual eye and we're not focused on the spiritual, we focus only on the worldly things, or whether we devalue what's important, and we're not paying attention to the significance of what it is that God is offering us and our eternal life, or whether we're occupied with the world only and not thinking about the spiritual at all, or we have preconceived ideas about God, all these things affect our faith. So may God grant us to believe in the power of baptism, not because we see a dove and not because we hear a voice, but simply because God has told us that this is a, is a powerful sacrament, that the Holy Spirit works in the water to transform us, to change us, to, to allow us to be buried with Christ and to be resurrected again with Him, and that we begin to believe that in all His sacraments and in all His work, that God is present, though invisible, that He is with us in all things. And glory be to God forever. Amen.